TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on WEEI. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on Robert Kraft, you feel like he's throwing Bill Belichick under the bus, that's on the table all night at 617-779-7937. I'll get to my big Red Sox prediction in just a second here, but I did want to address this for a sec. So Philadelphia lost tonight to the Pistons. Milwaukee beat the Bucks. I mean, Milwaukee beat the Bucks. I mean, that would be impressive. Milwaukee beat the Nets. So right now, the standings, Miami number one, Milwaukee number two. And by the way, the Celtics, they clinched a playoff berth. Let's go. Clinch the playoff berth, baby. Let's go. Phillies at number three after they lost to the Pistons, and the C's at four. Actually, now, if you look at the updated standings after that game tonight, i got to bring these up because I believe now the Celtics are going to be into the three seed after that loss, right? Because prior to tonight, yes, so the Celtics are at three right now. So, right, oh, right now the C's would match up with Toronto. That's not good. We don't know about the vaccination situation with Jalen Brown. Al Horford said after the game last night that they'd be good, or he'd be good if they played there, which makes me think, oh, maybe he'll get the Johnson and Johnson or whatever, because you got to plan this out. you got to get it like two weeks before, right? You can't just get the vaccine a day before you go to Toronto. you got to be vaccinated. So he's got to get the vaccine like two days. So apparently Al says he'll be good. We don't know about Jalen. The three guys that didn't go, obviously, Tatum, has already said that he was vaccinated. So Tatum's good. Al says he'll he'll be good. We're going to take him at his word. We don't know about Jalen. So right now the season would be, it really looks like the Celtics are going to end up either playing the Bulls or Toronto. It, by the way, DeRozan had 50 tonight. So it really looks like that's going to be the matchup for the Celtics. But anyway, getting back to my original point about Philadelphia. So Philadelphia loses tonight to the Detroit Pistons. James Harden goes for 18 points. He was 4 of 15 from the field. You know how many points the 76ers got from their bench tonight? Take a guess, Justin. How many points do you think the Sixers got from their bench? What, six? Close, eight. Eight, close enough. So after the game, Doc Rivers, our old coach here with the Celtics, was asked about the bench. The bench unit struggled compared to their bench. Well, they didn't struggle. Um, You know, they didn't get a lot of shots. You know, in, in their defense, I think during that stretch, it was more James, you know, um, you know, than, than them. So, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's just a tough night. <laughs> Doc's already. This is what Doc does. Doc Rivers has done this his whole entire career. 
he finds somebody else to blame. Look, Harden sucked. I'm not diminishing that whatsoever. He's 4 of 15. But after Doc is asked about his bench, he brings up James Harden. I didn't think that's going to sit with James Harden of all people. Unbelievable. By the way, Harden has been horrible with the 76ers. James Harden, since he joined that team, has one 30-point game. This month, he's shooting 31% from three-point territory. Since joining the 76ers, he's shooting 57% in the restricted area. Do you realize that James Harden is getting blocked on 17% of his shots this season? I, and that is absolutely fascinating. 17% of his shots are getting blocked. Absolutely incredible. With the 76ers, he's shooting 42% from the floor. 42%. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. And this was like the big, remember, everyone got excited with James Harden and Joel Embiid playing together. They're going to be a championship-level team. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not so sure about that right now. James Harden doesn't look like the same guy athletically anymore. Here's another one about James Harden. <laughs> James Harden, this season, at the rim, is shooting 59%. I told you, in the restricted area, but at just the rim, he's shooting 59%. He doesn't have a floater anymore. He's shooting 37% on floater this se- floaters this season. Unreal. Harden really is that guy, man. He does. He just doesn't look like the same player anymore. But I just find it fascinating that everybody said, oh, the 76ers, they're going to be incredible. Well, they have the biggest playoff choke artist as a coach that we've ever seen. Nobody's blown more 3-1 leads, 3-1 leads than Doc Rivers. And James Harden is the biggest playoff choker as a player of this era, right? I mean, we can think back to Carl Malone missing free throws, et cetera, back in his day. But James Harden has had not one, not two, but three different games in a postseason series where he's gone two for 11. James Harden, who's been an MVP of the NBA, who's led the league in scoring, who's led the league at assists, he's had three different games where he's gone two of 11. He played a game, remember against Kawhi Leonard? Kawhi Leonard didn't play for the Spurs in a game six in 2017. And James Harden still lost. He was so bad in the game that people after were asking whether or not he was concussed. Like, that was a legit, I was in Houston at the time. It was a legit conversation. Like, did he have a concussion? Because he looked completely disinterested in the game. But anyway, this whole idea, like the 76ers, when the deadline happened, oh, they're the team to beat, really? The Celtics will smoke them in a series because they play this drop coverage defensively. You can't you can't play switching coverage with Joel Embiid. So Tatum and Jalen Brown are just going to walk into wide open jump shots. Philadelphia will not beat the Celtics. Lock that in right now. That that'll not happen. But anyway, if you do want to weigh in on Robert Kraft, certainly can. Do you agree with me that he's being unfair to Bill and throwing him under the bus? Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. But here's my Red Sox prediction. And it's tough to do this because Shohei Otani is probably going to be like, could have a sub-3 ERA and drop 40 bombs again. But my prediction is this. Rafael Devers, five home runs already in spring. He's got this year under club control and next year under club control. I believe he's going to win the MVP this season. So if you look at Devers, one of the things that he did from July through the end of the season is he cut down on his strikeouts. So... If you look during that stretch from July through the end of the season, just an 18.5% strikeout rate. Now, that's not incredible, but it was 53rd of 138 hitters. 
from the beginning of the season until the end of June. He had a strikeout rate of 24.7%. That was 96th out of 138 hitters. So it's a big jump for Devers in the second half of the season. So one thing is he was swinging at less pitches out of the zone. He swung at 39.8% of pitches out of the zone from the beginning of the season till the end of June. Now, he's always going to be a free swinger, but he cut that down to 38, 32.7%. So about a 7.5% decrease in terms of swinging at pitches out of the zone, hence the strikeout rate going down. If you look at Devers, by the way, I like that he's back in the two-hole. And Cora said that's going to be against right-handed pitchers and against left-handed pitchers. It's going to be story in the two-hole. But if you look at Devers in 19, when he was basically, that was his primary spot in the lineup. 335 plate appearances are not as that's the place in the lineup. He had the most plate appearances, 335. He hit 334, 379, 653, a 1032 OPS. And that season, he had 54 doubles. So I'm not just saying, oh, yeah, because he's going back, that means that he's going to have this. He's going to have the same. He's not going to hit 334 for the entire season. But I feel like. There was five guys last year that had an OPS over 950. It was Otani. It was Vlad Jr. It was Bryce Harper. We're talking about some of the best hitters in the sport, right? Fernando Tatis Jr. And who's, oh, Juan Soto. That's the one that I was forgetting. So it was those five guys. So if you look at Devers last year, in terms of the total numbers, he's got some... Ground to make up, so to speak, to get to that point. But if you look at what he did, as I mentioned in 19, he had 54 doubles. Well, last year he only had 37 doubles. Now, he did have 38 home runs compared to a 19 when he had 32 home runs. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, Devers gets to that 950 spot. And at that point, you're definitely in the MVP conversation if you have an OPS over 950. But if you look at it, so let's say this. Devers hits 45 doubles this season, which would be an increase of, what, seven or eight, rather? That's very doable. And he leads the league in home runs. He hits 44 home runs, which is definitely doable for Devers. He had 38 last year. So that brings his slugging percentage up to 582. So if he can get his on-base percentage up to 368, right? And remember, in 19, it was 361. So that's not a big ask. And remember, we're asking for eight more doubles, and we're asking for six more home runs. If Devers can do that, he gets to that 950 in terms of the slugging percentage and the on-base percentage. You add that up, he gets to that OPS of 950. So if you think about it, it's very doable considering the fact that he cut down the strikeouts in the second half of the season. Eight, you're talking about even if, and I'm giving you if he had the same amount of at-bats, 591. He adds eight doubles, 45 and he had six home runs, he gets to 44. So that's even less doubles than he hit back in 2019. And I'm giving you the same amount of hits. And so I'm saying the average, the batting average is still 279. He can easily get to 950. And look, I know that's like an incredible threshold to get to, 950. Only two guys, by the way, were over 1,000 last year. Bryce Harper being one of them, and he won the National League MVP. The other one being Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but I truly believe that Rafael Devers can get to that point. And it seems like right now you look, and I know like I, I'm not going to make the biggest deal ever about spring training, but he's already hit five home runs. And you heard Brad Foe earlier tonight on with Mutt. He's dropping absolute bombs. So I feel like he's had 
breakout. He's had his breakout season, right? 19 was his breakout season. You kind of throw 2020 away because it was two months. I mean, who the hell really cares? And then last year, he had a really good season as well. He's become the man in this lineup. Oh, and the other thing I just want to mention real quickly in terms of, well, Brian, how could he be the MVP? He's a terrible defensive player. He did have negative 13 defensive runs saved last year. And he made the second most errors in all of baseball. I acknowledge that. But you do realize that there have been plenty of MVPs that are not great defensive players. If you look at last year, Bryce Harper won the MVP. He had minus six defensive runs saved. But his numbers were so outstanding that he won the MVP. If you go back to 2015, Josh Donaldson, then he was a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. He won the MVP, which, by the way, if we're really going to bring Josh Donaldson up, he should have never won that MVP. It should have been Mike Trout, but that's beside the point of just making the Donaldson argument here in terms of the MVP that year. Donaldson in that season, 2015, had 18 errors, negative three defensive runs saved. So Donaldson was a negative defensive player in 15 when he won the award. Bryce Harper was a negative defensive player last year when he won the award. So Devers does not have to be this gold glove caliber third baseman to win the MVP in Major League Baseball. That's not how it happens. They're going to be looking at the offensive numbers. And I truly believe that Devers, after what we saw in the second half of the season where he took more walks, where he struck out less, the power numbers were still the same. If you take the first three months and you put it with the last three months of the season, exactly the same, 19 home runs and 19 home runs in terms of the home run total. I really believe that he can get to that 950 OPS, which would be massive. I mean, and really, if you look at this lineup right now, Devers is the guy that teams we saw last year were trying to avoid. And one of the issues when that first started is Devers was swinging at too many pitches out of the zone. As he adapted to that role, because remember, coming into the season, it wasn't like everybody's like, all right, Devers is the guy you have to watch out for. No, it was, all right, J.D., is he going to have a bounce-back season? Xander Bogarts has basically been the best-hitting shortstop in Major League Baseball for the past three seasons. So it wasn't crystal clear. But once Devers started raking, it became clear that teams were starting to pitch around Rafael Devers. And when that situation presented itself, Devers did not handle it well at the beginning of that when teams were just throwing pitches out of the zone trying to get him to chase because they didn't want to challenge him he did not handle it well remember he had that issue with the fastballs but once he was able to command the strike zone more or i should say control the strike zone more as a hitter that's when he really took off and if you just look at it in terms of the contact 234 hard hit balls last season so that means off the bat at 95 plus miles an hour that was six in baseball the only guys that had more Vlad Jr., Perez, Machado, Bichette, and Paul Goldschmidt. And even like Guerrero and Bichette, those are kind of, I don't want to say not with Guerrero, but more so with Bichette. Those are kind of asterisky because remember they played in, what was that place called in Florida? Like, remember that game, the Red Sox, everybody's hitting home runs. They won a game like 11 to 8. Everybody's hitting home runs there because their whole situation, they couldn't play at Toronto at the beginning of the season. So I think that number's kind of skewed with Bichette. All right. He barreled up 68 balls. That was six in baseball behind Otani, Guerrero, Perez, Judge, and Tatis. And we already know that he had 38 bombs last year, 318 total bases, which was fifth in baseball. So I just look at it in terms of he controls the strike zone better. We already have seen that with Rafael Devers. And we're not asking for a whole lot more in terms of doubles and home runs. We're talking about seven and eight, in ter- or six and eight, in ter- or six and seven, rather, in terms of if he had the same amount of hits to get to that 950 OPS threshold, get that own base percentage up to 368. I believe it's doable. I believe he's going to have an absolutely monst- a massive season. 
after he figured that out. And remember how good he was in the postseason with a hurt, with an injured arm, I should say. So I believe Devers this season, lock it in. Rafael Devers will be your 2022 American League MVP. And then the Red Sox are really going to regret the fact that they did not lock this guy into a contract discussion because that's a totally different conversation that we can get to in just a little bit. It's 617-779-7937. And I will get into my concern with this team as we're now a week away from opening day. We'll do that next here in EI. The home for Sox fans. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The Bees beat the Devils 8-1 to tonight. Brad Marchand with a pair of goals. He's up to 30 on the season. Jake DeBrus also scored his 18th. The Bees will host the Blue Jackets on Saturday night. Tuka Rass was honored before the game. He announced he'll be taking a new role with the team as a brand ambassador working with corporate sponsors. Oh, and he's on the Greg Hill Show tomorrow. Thank you, Justin. That'll be fun. Meanwhile, ESPN's Adam Schefter, the first to report today that Bobby Wagner is signing a five-year, $50 million deal with the Rams. That contract is worth up to $65 million. I know he was, like, all pro last year, but if you look at some of, like, the grading on him, like, pro football focus had him at, like, a 71. Did not have a particularly great season, according to them. Now, the voters obviously going to vote him because he's Bobby Wagner, so he's got the name recognition. But, man, you think about that team. Wagner is arguably a Hall of Famer. We know that Donald's a Hall of Famer. In all likelihood, Jalen Ramsey, if he continues on this trajectory, he's heading to the Hall of Fame. Cooper Cup just won the Triple Crown. Matt Stafford had, obviously, that run to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, that team is absolutely loaded from a talent perspective. So, And that's Brady's competition. That's it. I mean, it's it's the Rams and it's the Bucks. Like, San Francisco's got a good team, but they don't know what's going on with Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo may be back, and Aaron Rodgers lost his best receiver. Tom is in the great spot right now being in the NFC. All the good quarterbacks are in the AFC. The C's are losers of back-to-back games for the first time since January 21st after they fell to the Heat 106-98 on Wednesday night. They will host the Pacers on Friday night. One of the worst defensive teams in the entire league. They should win that game convincingly. The Sox beat the Twins 4-3. Rafael Devers, who I have predicted will win the MVP of the American League. He went deep his fifth of the spring. Bobby Dahlback also left the yard his third of the spring. The Sox will get the Rays tomorrow afternoon. You can catch that one over on AM 850 on the Red Sox Network, 105 First Pitch. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. WEEI Late Night on WEEI. Boston's Sports Original. All right, and we are with you until midnight, so on the table all night long, the Robert Kraft situation. Do you think he's being unfair with his comments to Bill Belichick this week? Is he throwing the coach under the bus? That's on the table. And Red Sox season a week away. I'm predicting that Rafael Devers is going to win the American League MVP. Am I crazy? 617-779-7937 is the number. As I said, if he hits for the same average 279, he gets his on-base percentage up to 368, which I believe can easily happen considering the fact in the second half of the season, he struck out significantly less. His strikeouts were down more than 6% in the second half of the season. All you need to do if you do that to get the slugging percentage up to 582, all Devers has to do, eight more doubles and six more home runs, which I think he's incredibly capable of doing. And by the way, you look back at Devers in 19, which was really his breakout season. Because remember, even in 18, he wasn't really an everyday player. Remember, he was splitting time, especially when you got into the postseason with Eduardo Nunez. But if you look at what he did in that 19 season, 54 doubles, 54, 32 home runs, 115 RBIs. He hit 311 that year. He only hit 279 last year. So he could get his average up again next season as well. And he slugged 555 that particular season. The OPS is at 916. I'm predicting he gets the OPS to 950 next year. But you know, in 19, Rafael Devers led all of Major League Baseball with 359 total bases. So he's incredibly capable of doing that. But another thing about Devers is this. He is under club control this year, and he's under club control next year. Now, this year, he got that $11 million, if you will, in terms of the avoiding arbitration situation, and they'll have to go through that again if they don't get him locked up to a contract extension. But it is interesting, right? Because you think about Devers is not in a contract year, but he's due for an extension. Bogarts is entering free agency after this year. Kike Hernandez, under the radar, he's entering free agency, as is Nathan Evaldi. So today, Alex Cora was asked by our guy Bradfoe how he's handling all these contract situations. You know, about a half dozen guys who are going into their final year here. Do you have any concern about you know, distractions and all that? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, I think 19 taught me a lot in that end. Uh, obviously, 18 was a lot easier because we, we, we didn't have any talks about free agents. We have no free agents, I think. Right. And then 19, there were a lot of talk right away, you know, in the cage, everywhere. I was like, whoa, this is different, right? And uh, I learned a lot and, uh, you know, something that I feel that I can control in the clubhouse. You know, we can stay uh, locked in in what we're trying to accomplish and understanding that there's a business side of it that, yeah, man, there's a lot of guys that we would love to stay here and there's other guys that know that, hey, you know, they're going to be free agents and they're going to cash in. So, uh, but as far as like me personally, I learned a lot in 19 and I think I'm, I'm more I'm more prepared now to deal with stuff like that than 19. And what are you seeing this spring in that regard? I mean, we're locked in, you know, we, I mean, you can see it as far as like the drills and the way we play and uh, there's not much talk about contracts. Uh, there's not much talk about free agency. Uh, yeah, there's talk about uh, contract extensions, you know, but that's that's easy to 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 talk about, you know, that's part of the business. But uh, so far, everybody is in a good frame of mind. Everybody understands that we fell short last year, 
to what we wanted to do. And uh, it's been actually one of the best camps that I've been around as far as like, you know, the way they work, uh, you know, efficiency, taking care of players and, and the product on the field. Uh, that's why I say like, there's not much talk here, you know, no team meetings or whatever, just come here, work and be ready for April 7th. All right, so that was Alex Cora on the whole situation with all these guys becoming impending free agents. And remember, back to 19, Avaldi got his contract, Sale got his contract. Eventually, what, in the first week of the season, Bogart's got his extension, which now, of course, he can opt out of. But the big one that year was Mookie. And remember, that was an issue. Like, up all the way into the All-Star break, Mookie was asked about Boston. The perception was, well, Mookie doesn't want to be here. And he answered questions about it. Or actually, he was the guy that, like, went out there to make sure it was out there. He said, no matter what I say, people are going to have their opinions. There's nothing I can do about that. I've made it known. This is my second home. I've been here. This is all I've known. I've loved it here. I love the fans, everybody, my teammates, front office, everybody here. That doesn't change the business of baseball. That's where the value is. I don't want to go down that path, but people to say, I don't enjoy it here. I love it here. I come in in the wintertime, just hang out with friends and whatnot. My family loves coming up here and going to do things. It's not that I don't want it. I like Boston. Okay, so remember, Mookie went out of his way to talk about the fact that he liked Boston, but the situation with Mookie is different than the situation with Devers because Mookie is trying to defend like he wants to be involved, that he likes Boston. But it's not like he was going to commit to a long-term contract extension with the Red Sox. We knew that Mookie didn't want to be here. Bottom line, Mookie was going to go to the highest bidder. He wanted to go to free agency. He wanted to test the market. Now, eventually, when he goes to the Dodgers, he's traded there. He was willing to sign with that team. And I do believe that Mookie would have gone to free agency if it wasn't for the pandemic. I feel like he's like, all right, let me lock in a big contract. But the point being is he was never going to sign a long-term contract extension with the Red Sox. And quite frankly, I didn't think it behooved the Red Sox to do it. He's a smaller player who's not going to age particularly well. His power numbers are going to go down. Even if you look at his numbers last year, they weren't nearly what they were back in his MVP season with the Red Sox, right? I mean, Mookie is... Mookie, from my perspective, has had his best season. If you look at Mookie last season, he hit 264. Now, the on-base percentage is good, 367, but his OPS is 854. He had the one incredible year in 18 where he had the 1078 OPS. He hit 346. He had a 438 on-base percentage. He was so good that season. The 32 home runs, 47 doubles. But after that, each year has been worse, 295, 292, 264. 339, 361, 367 on base percentage. He's never going to be the guy that he was in 18 again. And considering the fact that the Dodgers last year was the first year his extension kicked in, he's got 10 more years in that contract till he's 38. He's not going to age well. So I was always against signing Mookie to a long-term deal. Now, maybe the return could have been better than essentially it looks like right now just for Dugo. Jeter Downs is in the farm system. He's not progressing. That's a guy that I would imagine they try to trade at some point, but he's already been with two different organizations. Who knows what you get for him? And Connor Wong is somebody that is never going to be the everyday catcher for the Red Sox. So, yeah, you got Verdugo, but I feel like, yeah, you probably could have got more out of that deal. Maybe they just identified the wrong guys in the Dodgers system. And by that, I mean Wong and Jeter Downs, because I think Verdugo, it, I don't think, I know that Verdugo has been a productive player for this team, and I feel like he's going to lead the team in batting average this season because of the way that he hit in the second half of the season. He was one of the, and by the way, he's got the best contact right in the Red Sox. I like Verdugo. I just feel like they could have got more out of the deal, but moving on from Mookie was the right thing. But the reason the Mookie situation 
is different from the Devers situation. Mookie was going out of his way to say he liked Boston. He never said he wanted to sign a contract extension or anything along those lines. Devers wants to be here. The question is, are they going to give Devers the contract that he wants? So here's the interesting thing from Devers. And remember, Brad Fogg got these comments. So when he was asked about them avoiding the arbitration situation and Devers signing that one-year deal, he said this. It was tough, obviously, having to go back and forth about what my worth was because we have other guys that they're saying this is what they're slotted at. But I was like, that's not me. I'm a different player, and I know what type of player I am. That's really what it was. So what Devers is essentially saying there is, and I'm reading between the lines here, is the Red Sox were coming to Devers comparing him to other third basemen. And what Devers was essentially saying is, no, no, don't compare me to those guys. What I want you to compare me to or who I want you to compare me to are the best players in the sport. So Devers isn't just looking to be the highest paid third baseman. He wants to be one of the highest paid players in the sport. And remember, Devers said that the Red Sox had not approached him this spring about a contract extension, which to me, that doesn't shock me because of the fact that you had the whole situation with the lockout and then you had to put a team together, right? So it doesn't shock me that they haven't approached him this offseason about an extension because you had to sign some guys in terms of the bullpen. You went after Strom. You went after Diekman, right? You went after Trevor. You had to do all this thing, get Trevor Story in here to make this team more consistent, right? Or to build the team for the 2022 season. You had to do all that. So it doesn't surprise me that they hadn't approached him then. But he is essentially saying that they have never approached him about a contract extension. That, to me, is surprising. That is shocking to me that they have not talked to Devers at all about an extension. It, it doesn't shock me that they haven't done it this offseason, but how has this never been something that they've approached? And I just feel like Devers is the guy on this team as great as Bogarts is, and especially in terms of what he means here and he wants to be here, et cetera. But Devers is the guy that you can't afford to lose. Devers is in a situation right now where he's already emerged as one of the best sluggers in the sport. I mean, he's in the conversation with Otani, Guerrero, Tatis. He's one of the best raw power hitters in the sport. That's undeniable. And he's entering his 25-year-old season. This is the guy you pay. This is the 10-year contract extension that doesn't look bad, or at least is good for the first eight years. This is the rarity, and I don't understand why the Red Sox haven't done this. See, I'm okay, and look, ideally I'd like to keep everybody, but I'm okay with Bogarts going into free agency and going to the highest bidder, Story going to shortstop for a couple of years, and then eventually Marcelo Mayer comes up. I'm okay with losing Bogarts. You can't lose, because Bogarts is a terrible defender as well, but you cannot lose Raphael Devers. I mean, if you look at defensive run save last year, Sander Bogarts was last among shortstops. He's just not a good defensive shortstop. It's not like he makes errors, but he just doesn't have range. So I'm okay with losing Bogarts. Not to mention, the team is conceding to Bogarts. Trevor Story is a much better defensive player. I mean, based on all the metrics, last year he was fourth in defensive run saves among shortstops, and he's playing second base. So they are catering to Bogarts in some regard with saying, hey, we actually have a better shortstop than you defensively, but we're going to keep you at short. They are helping him in terms of when he goes, if he doesn't sign long-term with the Red Sox, going into the open market as a shortstop, right? So they are helping him when it comes to that. But Devers, you just can't lose that type of player. Like, this is like, remember when David Ortiz retired and they thought they could just fill that void and they realized, oh, we need another power hitter, and they went after J.D. Martinez? 
the following season because they weren't great in 17. And then in 18, when J.D. Martinez comes in, it's protection in the lineup for Mookie. Because remember, then they were putting Mookie in the cleanup spot that year because they didn't have that great power hitter. So Mookie was hitting cleanup in 17. And then eventually you get to the point where you bring in J.D. and Mookie can go back to the leadoff spot and everything sort of falls into place. You need that landmine in your lineup. You need that guy that puts fear into the opposition. And that's what Rafael Devers does. And the fact that he's entering 25, and we haven't seen the best of him as a hitter yet, frightening to not give this guy a long-term contract extension. I do not want to see him get to free agency. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Rob. He's in Martha's Vineyard. What's up, Rob? Hey, man. I'm, uh, I'm just happy you're high on Devers. You know, I think he's a good player, and I think you understand what's going on. And uh, I just want him to uh, get signed. And I think they can, uh, you know, don't forget about what Bogarts did when he was really young with the Red Sox and they won the championship, you know. The 13 one? Yep. So, I mean, story's a great sign, and it really is going to do well. And I think the lineup is scary. I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Rob. Appreciate the phone call. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. Yeah, the lineup is going to be really good no matter what. You look at the Red Sox last year in terms of that was never the issue for this team. They were always a good offensive team. Fourth in runs last year, 10th in home runs, 5th in RBIs. They were 3rd in average, 3rd in OPS. They're going to score, and it's a better lineup than they had last year. The one thing I do sort of have a concern about is the fact that they don't really have a guy. Now, Kike Hernandez did this in the second half of the season, as uh, Devers did it a little bit more, but they don't have a guy that's going to walk a lot like last year. They had just an 8.4% walk rate. That was 20th in baseball. After Schwarber arrived, that went up to 9.7%, which during the Schwarber stretch after the Schwarber debut, that was third in baseball. So I do feel like they are missing that aspect of the lineup. But you have Kike Hernandez hitting leadoff, and then you have Rafael Devers, and then Bogarts, and then J.D., and then Verdugo. I mean, this lineup is going to absolutely match. So I'm not concerned about the lineup whatsoever. And the whole idea of, well, Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to play at against righties to begin the season. I don't really think that's the biggest deal in the world. I know people, well, Jackie Bradley sucks. Yeah, I understand that. He's definitely not a good hitter. I mean, we would all acknowledge that, right? I mean, you look at Jackie last season. I did not realize how bad the numbers were before I looked into this, you know, back when they signed him. One, he hit 163, career worst. Last among players to get at least 400 plate appearances. On base percentage, 236. Last among players to get at least... 400 plate appearances, 261 slugging percentage, career worse, last among players to get at least 400 plate appearances, 497 OPS, 497 OPS, career worse, last among players to get at least 400 plate appearances. He had a 32.3% called strike plus whiff rate. That basically means how often you're getting a called strike or you're swinging and missing. Only Bobby Dahlback was worse among players with at least 400 plate appearances. So yeah, he was atrocious at the plate last season. But that's really the only hole in your lineup. I know Vasquez did not have a great season. He did come alive in September. He wasn't bad in the postseason either. But if that's the only issue with your lineup is Jackie Bradley Jr., I can live with that considering he's going to give me gold glove caliber defense in right field, and the rest of the guys in this lineup can hit. So I'm not overly concerned about Jackie Bradley Jr. playing against right-handed pitchers, although it's not like he hits righties well to begin with. But I don't have an issue with that. My bigger issue with it in terms of the lineup is the J.D. situation. If J.D. is going to play in the field, I'm concerned. Not because I believe that J.D. is like an atrocious 
defensive player. He's actually better than you would have thought last year. He actually had two defensive runs saved. He had four outfield assists. But J.D., when he played in left field last year, the numbers were not good, right, in terms of, yeah, he had really good numbers as the designated hitter, but when he was in left field, he hit just 230, and he had a 641 OPS. When he's the DH, 950, 945 OPS and a 306 average, 26 bombs. So when you look at it from that perspective, that's my concern. Not J.D. out in the outfield. He'll be fine out there. He won't be great. I'm not telling you he's going to play. He's going to be Jackie Bradley Jr. out there. Don't, don't get me wrong, but my bigger concern would be, is this going to affect J.D. Martinez at the plate? 617-779-7937 is the number. Oh, boy, here he is. He heard my Rafael Devers MVP prediction. Let's get to David in Florida. David, what's up, man? Um, his offense, we know, is is going to be great. It's going, is irrelevant because, you know, we know what he can do. But what has he done during the offseason? I really don't know. What has he done to work oh, on? Oh, David, scouting report on that. Scouting report on that. I have intel that Devers has been really good in the field so far in spring training. Did he play in any winter league ball over the um, November, December, anywhere? Did he, did, I mean, was he in Arizona working on? I know, David, that he's in, I know, David, I know that he's in better shape and that his defense has been really good in camp. That's what I can tell you. I, I hope so. I mean, because, I mean, if he can just, I mean, forget about his offense. Uh, I mean, if he I'm not going to forget his, about it because he's one of the best offensive players in the sport. So I'm not okay. going to forget about it. Well, I mean, I would rather see him drop a little bit in offense and improve in defense. Uh, you know, and, and then I mean, he won't be giving up as many runs with the errors and his range too. His errors were were, were so frustrating, but also his range last year too was very limited. And his instincts, I mean, it's not even just his glove. It was his instincts, his intelligence, his his positioning. His I mean, intelligence. He just, well, his positioning, yes, that, would be on, do, that would be on the coaching staff. That wouldn't be on him if you're complaining about his well, positioning. Yeah, but, well, uh, I mean, I'm talking about, like, if there was a ground ball to, like, the middle of the infield and he and he should have cut it off, but he doesn't, and then Bogarts had to backhand it because it went deep in the hole. There were many situations last year when he let balls go when he should have cut them off. So, David, would you, so you're so concerned about his defense. Would you sign him long-term? No. Wow. Absolutely not. Wow. No. No. He's, I mean, David, he's one know, of the best power hitters in the sport. That's indisputable. Well, no, you can just put in my I don't give a horse's hiney comment right there because I don't. Uh, I mean, you don't, yeah, wait, hold I, on, I, David. I, you don't care about offense. You do have to score runs. I don't. Okay. Well, you know, if, if you have a good pitching and you have a good defense, then you don't need to score as many runs. And, and and that's what baseball should be and will be always about is defense and pitching and get them on, get them over, get them in. And so you want more bunting? Offense, you want more bunting? I want bunting. I want back to back bunts. I want to see them. I want to see wait, them open wait, up the game. David, why would you ever back to back bunt? Why not? Just the element of surprise, you know. <laughs> oh them if it's, if, David, if all it's these guys, in the, Red, the majority of the Red Sox lineup are all power hitters. Bogarts is a power hitter. Devers is a, a power hitter. Story's a power hitter. JD's even, a power hitter. Why would you bunt with these guys? Even more. 
then even more. Catch them off guard. So you rather catch catch them them off guard guard than hit a three-run home run? Absolutely. Catch them off guard. Back-to-back bunts that are double stale to open up the inning. And then after after the How can you open up the inning with a double steal? Nobody's on base. Back-to-back bunts. Sure. Oh, back-to-back bunts. Both guys get on with the bunt, you're saying? And then after they beat the Yankees like 18 to 3, I want to hear Cora go, We just scored 18 runs against the Yankees. Suck on it like he did three years ago in the playoffs. Right. Remember that great quote? That sound Yeah, we got that. We'll play it for you in a second. All right, David. Appreciate the call, man. Who gives a horse a hiney? <laughs> David's line's open if you want to grab it at 617 779 7937. So David's plan is the Red Sox have back-to-back bunts, okay, and then they'll double steal. Do you know what the likelihood of that happening? So you'd actually have to, first of all, you're not sacrificing, so you'd have to have back-to-back bunt singles, and then you'd have to steal third. That's his plan. Like, I mean, when's the last time that's happened? I I would actually like, like to try to research that. And he I'll wants work. Devers to do the preschool alligator. Uh, that's how you feel yeah. the ground ball, the alligator method. Give him the paddle out there. You remember those when you were playing in Little League? They gave you the paddle. My dad used to have rockets at me when I had the paddle on. That was not easy. So his, I want to find out like when the last time that ever happened was. Back-to-back bunts, and both guys get on safely bunting, and then after that they double steal. I don't, I can't, I've never seen it. I'm sure it's happened one time, but I, I want to find out when that happened. All right. And, David, do some research. Find out when that has happened because this is your strategy. <laughs> this is your strategy that nobody would ever use. You're saying to utilize it. I want David to call me back tomorrow with evidence of the last time that actually worked, the element of surprise. That's what he's going to reference. He's not going to find it, and he's going to say the element of surprise. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you do want to react to anything with the Red Sox as we get ready for the season, Oh, I will give you my concern with this team next here on EEI. Now back to it. WEEI Late Night and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, and we are with you up until midnight, so I will give you my concern with this team in just a little bit. I cannot wait for the season to get underway. It really is creeping up on us. I know it's a shortened spring training, if you will, but we're a week away from Sox and Yankees in New York. Oh, my God. It's going to be absolutely awesome. I cannot wait. Let's get to Andrew. He's in Franklin tonight. What's up, Andrew? Hey, man. I, I want to understand more about, like, the uh, the current, like, um, analytics in regards to, like, batting lineups. I can't see Devers being a number two hitter in the lineup. I, I feel like he's got way too much power, and I feel like, like you need more, like, runners on base. And, like, I'm a big proponent of, like, you know, Swapping it out, I can see Xander being a number two and like Devers being a number three or number five. So what? What like in regards to like new analytics? Like I just don't get how he could be a number two. Yeah, well, it is a new trend, and we've seen it happen over the past couple of years that most teams are now putting their best hitter in that second spot. For example, Trout will hit second for the Angels. Judge hits second. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits second. That's what most of these teams are doing. The reason is for this: like you don't want to put him lead. You don't want to put your best hitter lead off, obviously. But when you have your best hitter hitting second, well, it allows more runners on base and it allows you more at-bats, more plate appearances. You know what I'm saying? That's why they put their that guy second. 
I get it. So basically, at the end of the day, it's like more more at bats during the whole game. Yeah, exactly. So late in the game, Devers is going to be the guy hitting after the leadoff hitter, which you much rather have Devers, who is, if maybe you disagree, but in my mind, he's the best hitter on this team, and I don't even think it's a question. So you want him to get as well, many plays. That's, 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 yeah. That's why I was asking the question, though. I, mean, I consider him, like, the most powerful, most dy- dynamic in the lineup, and I would, like, envision him being, like, a three or four hitter. Yeah, and that's why you don't want him in that four spot is because you're going to get him more at bats by putting him in the two hole. Gotcha. No, I appreciate that, man. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Appreciate the call, Andrew. His line's open at 617-779-7937. I, quite frankly, would just wish they would leave him there instead of Cora said today, and look, I trust Cora with the lineups, except when he uh, I got into this. I don't know if I got into this last year. The one, the one time, remember he switched up Mookie and Benintendi, and it didn't work for either guy. I mean, that I, I have no idea why he did that. Made no sense. But nonetheless, I trust Cora with the lineup, but... He's going to put Story, apparently the plan is to put Story hitting second against lefties, and Devers is going to hit second against righties, and then he's going to go to the cleanup spot against lefties. I'd rather just have Devers hit two all season long. That's where nowadays you put your best hitter, so I would just rather him do that. Now, the other thing I want to mention real quickly, just in terms of my concern with this team, it's the same concern we had last year. It's the bullpen. And the Chris Sale injury kind of highlights it even more because, well, now you have to put Hulk in the rotation. And Hulk concerns me because, man, he just, I don't want to say he fades. It's like he's just inconsistent as his outing goes on. He has plenty of stuff. Like, I know we had the whole discussion about developing the third pitch, but he always struggles as the game goes on. That's why I'd much rather have him. My whole thing with Whitlock and Hulk is I'd much rather those guys pitch four and two-thirds or five innings a week in three different games then Hulk pitch four and two thirds, and then you gotta sort of put together the rest of the game, get the rest of the outs. I just don't feel like that's the best thing for the Sox, but I can't blame them. Now you have to put Hulk in the rotation because of the injury to Chris Sale. But the bullpen in general, you tell me how many guys in this bullpen right now do you de- can you say okay, yeah, that guy is reliable, he's dependable, because to me that list stops after one name, Garrett Whitlock. That's it. Diekman's the guy, of course, they signed from the A's. Walk rate last year, he's always been a big walk guy, 13%, 125th out of 144 qualified relievers. He gave up 10 home runs. His ground ball rate was through was down to 34% when for his career it's at 47%. So you need him to bounce back after a rough 2021. You don't trust Salamora. Darwinson has a 17% walk rate last year. Taylor's dealing with an injury, and he can't throw to righties anyway. He can't pitch to righties anyway. Matt Barnes was a complete disaster after he got the contract extension. Now, some good news. It looks like Cutter Crawford's going to make the team. I know he had that one bad outing last year against Cleveland, but from what Bradford tells me, he's throwing the ball really well in camp, so maybe that's something because they definitely need, and he's a starter, so he could be a multi-inning guy in that bullpen. They definitely need more help in the bullpen. I think it's the underrated storyline of this team entering the season. We know they're going to mash. We know Evaldi's going to be good. I feel like is going to have a good season, but the bullpen could be ugly. Thanks to Justin Turpin for producing. I'm back with you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, 
podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.